Howdy, listener. Thanks for making the effort to tune in. This is Andrew. And Tiffany. We're super happy to bring you the following episode of Monkey Tooth. Before we introduce today's guests, we'd like to give an update for those of you who've been listening in, and a bit of a primer for those who are tuning in for the first time. Andrew, our dog Paley and I are leaving on May 1st, 2018 for a two-year journey from the Bay Area of San Francisco to Alaska, then south to Argentina and back. We bought a Sprinter van last year, gutted it, and built a custom home on wheels. We're going to soul roll it to Alaska, where we'll spend the summer exploring, hiking, cycling, playing around, and generally trying not to get eaten by bears, wolves, or deranged, meth-fueled, toothless weirdos. From there, we'll head south through the states, and we'll hit Mexico sometime in the fall. Maybe. We're playing it fast and loose as far as a plan goes, so our exact route is not exactly set in stone, and our schedule is theoretical at best. However, our goals are rock solid. Retire early and often, do fun and interesting things, be kind to people, especially shitheads, and share the stories we hear on the road with our growing audience of Monkey Tooth listeners. That's right. This podcast is a way for us to bridge the gap between the types of people you tend to meet while traveling and the people who listen to the show. We aren't selling any ads at this point, so your support of the show is pretty damn helpful. The best way to show your support is by heading over to patreon.com and signing up for as little as a buck a month. Patreon subscribers get a variety of little gifts, depending on your level of support, and content that won't be available on the regular feed. And if you don't have the dough, don't worry about it. There are a few ways to help us out. You could share our posts on social media, that's at Monkey Tooth Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, or you could leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. Go on and share that shit. So now, on with the show. Our guest today is the one and only Heather Young. Heather is an actress, a director, a producer, a show host, a writer, and an all-around hard-working badass woman. We caught up with Heather and invited her to hang out in the van on Geary Street in San Francisco. Heather has some valuable shit to say, so listen up, open your mind, and learn a little something about the power of story. As you might expect, Andrew came correct and started off with a real heavy hitter of a question. Where are you from? I am from a really small farm town in Northern California. And people think that San Francisco is Northern California. It's not Northern California. Um, But it's about three hours north. So up past Sacramento. It's called Yuba City. It's a little farm town. Yuba City. Yuba City. It's kind of famous. Oh, is it famous? Becoming famous. You know, that whole area, like Grass Valley, Yuba City, everybody's wanting to... Why is that becoming famous? Because it's pretty if you didn't grow up there. I'm like, is it pretty, though? Yeah. (laughs) I know quite a few people that want to get up to, like, Grass Valley area. Grass Valley is cool. That is our first stop. That is. So you're going to pass through my hometown? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I understand that in your hometown, you... You have a, like a hand in coordinating the parade, right? Like the I do. What, what's that? So it's like um, it's one of the oldest continuously held parades in California. Okay. Uh-huh. It's called the Bacchae Parade, and I always describe it as just like a smaller version of the San Francisco Chinese New Year Parade. Oh, okay. Um, Which it's is just fun. That's yeah, cool it's, fun. Yeah. it's fun. It's um, fun. It's just a lot smaller. Yeah. <laughs> More like a local kind yeah, of a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's. We have a dragon. We have lion dancers. We do the that whole thing. Cool. My um, cousin's the chairwoman of it, and I just kind of help. Well, where where it's a straight family affair because yeah. uh, because I have like the museum, 
Oh, that's yeah, there yeah, that's too. Right. That's tied to the. It's the called Railroad Museum. Um, right? No, right. it's the Bakai Temple Museum. So there's the Bakai Festival, which has the parade in it, and okay. then um, a special celebration on Sunday for Bakai, the water god. Okay, I was gonna ask, what is Bakai? Yeah, Bakai is a water god in Chinese, and it protects the Marysville, Yuba Sutter, Yuba City area from flooding because we always huh. flood. Right. Always flood. Um, that's why there's so many stinking loveys everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that are all at risk. Exactly. Of- exactly. So, uh, yeah, like the the museum that I'm doing currently still <laughs> that's- is is in the actual Bakai Temple. So tell me about that uh, the museum. So the museum is basically just dedicated to Bakai itself, the Chinese that immigrated here, um, you know, way back when in the mid 1800s during the gold rush and, you know, settled in the Marysville area and lived and worked and all that stuff and the history in that. Uh, The main factor in starting the museum was that... uh, a good 15 years ago, we started restoring the temple that was there, mm-hmm. or that is there, and we kind of just, like, put everything in boxes, and nobody did anything with them, yeah. and so they sat in cardboard boxes for, well, I mean, we're talking about artifacts here. Yeah, They're, like, real stuff. you know, real stuff, wow. um, some in which are, like, priceless, but they just sat in boxes or crates for 10 to 15 years, and no one knew what to do with it. Everybody wanted, you know, a museum, but a museum is a lot of work. Yeah. I swear I opened Pandora's box. Like, <laughs> sometimes I'm all, what did I do? I um, and then, yeah, so we started that as a place to kind of hold all these artifacts. And then the more and more I got involved in it, the more and more it became a mission to try and educate uh, everyone in the surrounding area, as well as those that come to visit you know, what exactly Chinese immigrants did and had to go through, because I don't think a lot of is talked about yeah, um, in, in history. And you said it's within the temple, or it's its own standing building? It's within the temple, okay. yeah. And is it opened, or...? Um, it's open during the process that... So the temple is open for worship, right. because it's still actively used. Right. Um, and the museum part is still open, too, and... I like that because people can kind of see progress as, you know, we move through and, you know, we just completed three of our biggest displays and it's huge. And we have all these, like, we have the first ever dragon to be imported to the States that's sitting in there. And so it's in, it's it's in there, it's on display. And then we have like big sedan chairs for the gods and, you know, back from like the mid 1800s that were shipped over yeah yeah sounds great oh my god yeah no definitely it's it's a lot of fun um it's funny because when i tell people they'll go and they'll check it out and they're like god there's nothing in marysville and i'm like it's because (laughs) it's a really small town guys (laughs) don't expect a whole lot they're going on you know multiple neighborhoods i was like don't expect a whole lot uh and you know when i go down there sometimes it's dead there's like not a whole lot going on i mean unless it's the weekend and the temple's open or there's some sort of event happening Mm -hmm. or yeah there's not a whole lot going on now is your cultural lineage the people who settled in marysville or have you has your family been here this whole time no so i'm first generation yeah um my dad came over from hong kong when he was eight seven eight nine something like that um and settled in 
Marysville. They came through the ports here in San Francisco wow. on a boat wow. and, cool. and settled in Marysville and, you know, didn't really... At that time, during the 60s and the 70s, when they came over, Marysville was definitely a lot more of... Uh, there was a bigger Chinese community then yeah. okay. than there is now. Because of the fact that it's a farm, you know, little town, there's not a whole lot of opportunity. Right. Gotcha. And so a lot of people just leave, you know, and especially yeah. if they're not, there's not a whole lot going on. Mm. So that's really what ended up happening. And that's why, you know, the Chinese population there is maybe consisted of like five families that are left. Wow. wow. Okay. And yeah. why you're in San Francisco. And why I'm in San Francisco <laughs> and, and not, not living in yeah. there. Yeah. So, how long ago did you leave Marysville? How long have you been in the city? So, I've been in the city since 2012. Okay. But I wasn't living in Marysville or Yuba City. Um, I was living in Chico. Oh, yeah. Did you go to school there? I did. I went to Chico State. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was fun. a good friend who went there, yeah. It was fun. That's great. Yeah, that's what I hear. It's fun. (laughs) That's always the first thing. Man, it was a great time. It was a great time, exactly. Chico and I have some awesome memories, (laughs) some in which are a little hard to remember, but we had a good time there. It's so funny. So I grew up in a small town in the south, Uh and there's a huge party school that everybody from that small town ends up going to. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of the same. You kind of have the... It's a ubiquitous thing across the states, yeah. (laughs) So you've you've been here in the, in the city since you said 2013, wait 20, 2012. 2012. And so I'm going to do a full on intro of Go you beforehand, it. but uh, if you could tell, because you are um, you're a young person, a young Very woman. Very true. <laughs> but you've got a lot of different hats. You've got how many yes. jobs do you have? First of all. Oh goodness. I mean, I'm like I have to count on my fingers. Right. Like broadly speaking, what you do? How many different types of thing? I mean, I know you're probably. I don't know. Maybe like five. Five wow. with a question mark, which probably <laughs> means like seven. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. What I kind of like lump it all into one, mm. just because it's easier to try and describe it to people. A lot of times people have no idea what I do, and so I'm just like, oh, yeah, I just do video production stuff, and, like, I'm involved in, like, multimedia. Which out here people are like, oh, you sell drugs. Yeah, you know, they totally. Just sell, they and just, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> You're a pot grower, I see, you know, but you actually do. But I actually do do. <laughs> you actually do video production, and you're, you're an actress. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you've been hired to direct something now. Yeah, so um, I've gotten the opportunity to uh, direct a web like an episode of a web series, which mm. is cool. Yeah. Um, just because I've never had the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Um, normally I have to direct my own stuff. And, well, when you work five different jobs, it's really hard to find the time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I just can't, I mean, directing the actual production itself has got to be a challenge. But 
making sure everyone's there on time. I think about like yeah, what goes into a movie. Job. Yeah, that is insane. Uh, and you do that as well. I do like, produce, not for this web series, right, but, I, but I do you, produce. Yeah, that's no joke. I mean, making sure it's a I mean, lot. I've, I've run a pizzeria, and just that was hard. Like, man, where's the fucking dishwasher? You know, like <laughs> I've got to wash dishes. Like, that's and that's just pizza. Like you're trying to put together some real shit. You've got uh, your camera guys. You got sound. You've got actors. You've got you got to feed people. Mm-hmm. You've got to make sure everything. It's a lot going on. Is there's a lot going on? That's why. Um, it cracks me up when people think that, like, you know, it takes nothing to put together a couple of minutes of, like, a web series and all no that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You see 5 to 10% of the work. You don't mm. see anything no. that goes into this thing. And no. you don't realize how much time it takes. So that's one thing that I stress a lot to people. I was like, you don't realize all the work and all the coordinating that goes into it. We just watched um, Isle of Dogs. Have you mm. seen that yet? The West Anderson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two years in production, that film was. And it's that, that's no joke. That is no joke. Two years. Yeah, worth it. I thought. I was oh yeah, really totally. Cool. Shout out to Wes Anderson. <laughs> Feel free to subscribe to the Feel podcast. Feel free. Yeah. <laughs> Click that subscribe. Yeah, button. no, no problem. Wes Anderson. This one's on us. Uh, okay, so you're you're producing, you're directing, and you're acting in some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of trying to track back to the acting thing. Yeah. That's. Did you know? early on that you wanted to act or no yeah actually for as long as i can remember Hmm. um so i was the kid that loved watching behind the scenes stuff of like Mm. how movies were made and like i don't know if you have ever watched or heard of but maybe the young people that are listening (laughs) would know mtv used to have this one show called like making the music video and it sh- it was like so we watched li- MTV when there were actually music videos on when there were actually yeah, music yeah. videos I know <laughs> but music no, we television missed out, I missed out on the uh, um, on that but one. they would follow like whoever was making a music video at the time oh, and they cool. would show everything that went behind making the actual video yeah and I used to be obsessed with that wow. show I'm sure yeah. um because I just really like the way you know seeing behind the scenes stuff sure um, things really work. Yeah, how things really work. But so that's really what piqued an interest. Um, that's what really piqued an interest as far as uh, like video production goes. Acting. I was in my second grade play. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my second grade play and uh, I played like a. We were in a. I think a royal court or something like that. And I played like the. Joker, <laughs> and I freaking loved it. I'll bet. I'll bet. <laughs> and so ever since then, I was like, "This is fun." And then it just be kind of snowballed from there, I guess. Yeah. But like, especially like in the Asian culture, trying to explain to your father that you <laughs> you want to act is yeah. hilarious. What? So <laughs> um, the trope is that you're expected to be a doctor, a dentist. Or an attorney or something along those lines something that's that like a, a real guarantee th- like, yeah i always tell people i'm like it's interesting because it's, it's starting to change now now that there's been a few you know generations yeah, here yeah, and, yeah. and um it's starting to change a little bit but mostly like art is something that's pursued in school as 
something to put on as an extra extracurricular activity for your college. Right. Like, oh, entrance. that'll help you get into mm-hmm. Yale. Showing. I'm that like, you've oh, it's <laughs> showing that you can act and play the violin or something yeah. like that on top of have like a four point something or other GPA. Yeah. And, Excellent biology. And she plays know, the violin. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she acts, you know, it's yeah. like freaking so many different things. But um, no, I, for as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to act. I've actually tried to step away from acting a good three or four different times. Mm-hmm. And it just has always brought me back from yeah. one thing. Like I, I, it was one of those things where you're just like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this. Da, 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 da. And then, something happens and you just end up coming back to it. So I finally started listening to the universe. <laughs> you know, they're smacking me in the face enough times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I just kind of jumped into it. I've always wanted to be a, uh, an actress just because I've there was nobody on TV that looked like me. So yeah. I got really tired of no one looking like me and the people that did look like me weren't me. Like, mm-hmm. we're not me in a personality at all. Sure. Um... And I just felt like there needed to be more Asian representation in general. So like, Lucy Liu is the only person I can think of. Right? Yeah. Right? So, I mean, exactly. I mean, am I missing? No. I mean, you're. I mean, of Chow course Yung you're fat. missing some. There's, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, that's kind of, I guess, but the it's main like big, yeah. exactly. The like, American well, culture. Like, the American culture so doesn't really few. have any. And it, what they do have is very stereotypical, and sure. so it's yeah. worse. Yeah, we all love to kick butt and do kung fu and all that kind of stuff. Like whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> you do. You did tell me earlier you could do some damage I do, in Muay Thai. I, you know, it's mostly like Muay Thai. I learned. I'm definitely not a pro at for any like by any means. Um, but it's the most practical way of fighting, like ever. Less likely to hurt your hands and feet. You're gonna... Um, no, you're gonna definitely hurt yourself. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're I thought it was definitely... mostly like elbows and shins and stuff. Well, it's like shins, elbows, punches, like. Oh, you are throwing punches. Oh, yeah, you are. Well, how else are you going to defend yourself? I don't know. Run cowardly <laughs> into the woods. I don't know Muay Thai. Um, it's basically, they call it like the art of, you know, eight limbs or something like that. Somebody was explaining it to me about, okay. you know, they, it's not so fancy. Like, so I did Taekwondo for the longest time. Okay. Um, I did that for 10 years. And I've learned that Taekwondo is just super flashy mm. and showy, which is cool. Sure. It looks nice. But it's totally not practical. Learned my lesson when I tried to like do some Taekwondo stuff against some Muay Thai stuff. And no, no, okay. I got my butt handed to me, yeah. and I was like, "What is happening?" Tony, Tony <laughs> Ja, is that the guy's name? Like the super, like the Bruce Lee of Muay Thai. Oh, I have no Tony idea. Ja, something like that. I feel like you know more about this than I do. I, I mean, I just <laughs> uh, I would occasionally smoke a reefer cigarette and watch a kung fu movie. <laughs> And any kind of... Uh, Sounds like a party to me. Yeah, there was this one, and I always call it Dude, Where's My Elephant? But I think it was called The Protector. Dude, the, Where's My Elephant? Well, it was, really? It, no, it's not really the name of the movie, but it was one of the dumbest movies. The premise was so ridiculous. Like, an elephant had gotten stolen from somewhere, and it ended up in, like, one of these weird markets where people ate, like, What kung fu stuff. movies are you watching? Well... Uh, this could totally not be an actual movie. I'm just remembering things <laughs> weird. But Tony Jaw, he was like, boy, I wish we had somebody who could just look this up. But I know. We don't, we don't have Where's Jamie? Yeah, right. Uh, I know. But uh, anyway, sorry. That's not part of what we're here to talk to you about. How many dumbass movies have you watched in your career? A lot. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> okay, so you're 
you're acting as often as possible. Mm-hmm. You're reading scripts. You're going for auditions. Mm-hmm. I, I have for anything or like for right now. It's like it's anything. You have to you know start from the bottom yeah. kind of a thing. Bit roles. Um, bit extra. roles, extra roles. Okay. You know, co-stars, that kind of stuff. Before you kind of get anywhere. What I've learned from acting is that it's definitely. I think I've learned the most about myself from acting. Hmm. Um, do you got an itch? <laughs> It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I've learned the most about myself from acting. um, But also, too, I've learned that it's more of a marathon. Yeah. Something that you do for a long period of time before you ever really get somewhere. Yeah. I mean, some people are really lucky and they can do a few years, like three years, five years, two years, something like that. Mm. And they can pick it up where they find a role or, you know, get an awesome opportunity. And then there's right. other times where it takes 10 years. So you'd be totally years. happy if you like got onto a series or oh, are you I working totally for movies yeah. or do you have a preference? I don't really have a preference per se. I mean, I love acting. Acting is one of the, one of the things that I would love to do with my life, but it's not the only thing that I would want to do with my life. Okay. It seems like with what you're doing, you know, being so involved on both sides of the camera, mm-hmm. um, I would imagine I've heard other like minority actors talk about the roles that they get offered. It's like, oh, great, I'm going to be an Indian doctor in this. Oh, you want me to be the Indian scientist? You know, that sort of thing. You know, the roles that you're going to get offered, I, I imagine you've experienced that, mm-hmm. like the stereotypical, oh, I'm going to be a schoolgirl or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like, you're going to have the opportunity to kind of create some of your own opportunities. Right? And that's is that kind totally of... kind of what I'm going for. Yeah. Um, I would love to be able to write to get more Asian actors singing yeah. and, and, or direct or, you know, just tell different perspectives of yeah. the Asian American experience. For sure. Um, share parts of our culture that are, don't have to be so stereotypical um, that would be nice. Yes. Just to, and it's, I just want it to get to a point to where I don't watch something and I notice the token. I think I'm stuck in silence and my mind is pretty violent in my mind. I've been fighting for my purpose, I've been trying to get it right. Oh, how complex you're talking about the knowledge and the mind. When the booty and the image is where all your money's art, you can be priceless. I understand we're living in a dream. I should be unplugged and untouched and unpaused and unrushed. You living like you have nothing to die for. Martyr, your life is really what you have recycled in your head. I bet it's pretty crowded, so I kick up meditation, elevation, spiritual medication, education's not suppressed unless it's dressed in a four-corner building in your eight o'clock class. This is a test as we fight for best dressed. Oh, but death creeps by to say we're too young for that. Cause girl, you're too young for that. High school. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, oh, there's that one in the back. Look, the, the Asian guy Asian right there. <laughs> you know? yeah. the, the guy's nerdy friend yeah. that, you know, plays yeah. video games all the time or something. Uh, yeah. Like, I just, I want it to get to that point where mm. nobody notices it. I, We were talking today. We, we ate at the little Chinese place right next to mm-hmm. the cafe we just hung out in. Um, and it is, uh, it's something I think about. I just... I grew up in the South as a white dude, and the culture that I came from is pretty Melba toast. Like, there's just not—I I don't have like a attachment to a culture. Like, um, we, we were talking about our friend Rory, who's from Scotland, mm-hmm. and we watched uh, at his wedding. You know, a bagpipe player came in, and his whole family 
knew all these dances. They mm-hmm. had all this like cultural tether to that and this experience. They were so happy to do it. And like, like, and, and in that Chinese restaurant, we were like, there was a lady next to us and with a bunch of her friends and they were probably in their sixties mm-hmm. and they were so culturally attached to this place and their memories of what that meant to them. And I, I don't know, it, it, it just, it's something I feel like I just coming from the cracker experience that uh, <laughs> we missed out on like having, I think it's really cool to be able to see like a young person like yourself who's still hip and you like all kinds of modern stuff but you do have like a deep appreciation for temples mm-hmm. and for like a really, you know, an, a parade that's over a hundred years old and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that for one older generations can see that, that, that you have, that young people can have that, you know, an appreciation like that. And young people who grew up like I did don't have any frame of reference for that sort of culture. So I, I think it's cool that you've got, um, like that's part of your motivation to connect people with your culture and with the idea of like culture as a fun, cool thing and not just something like your grandpa forces you to go to the museum and you just... uh, (laughs) Totally. Well, I mean, I grew up going to museums and all that kind of stuff. My parents always took me to museums. They're big museum people. Um, So I've always really liked museums. But I think, too, what it comes... What it comes down to for me is just being able to share a story. Story is so important to me. Um, That's why, you know, I told you guys with your guys' podcast, like, it's so cool that you interview all these different people with all these different stories. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, no matter how different we are, we all have these experiences that somehow connect us and somehow lead us, you know, to each other and that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I never underestimate the power of story. Yeah. 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 You just can't. Can't. And you never know unless you ask, unless you engage somebody or unless you're just paying attention, what any given person's story is and how weird it can be and how fun it can be or, you know, what you can learn from it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, you know, you never judge a book by its cover or anything like that because you just, you don't know unless you take the time to um, really get to know someone and ask the questions like you just said. Pele has some some issues going on right now. (laughs) He's wanting to interject. He's just waiting for his moment. Yeah. We just keep talking. Let over me him. tell you my story. Yeah, I'll tell you a story. <laughs> tell you a story oh, about goodness. how I got attacked. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's like, yeah, me. Yeah. Yep. That word. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, culture to me is pretty much a whole bunch of stories. Yeah. Um, and the whole not being able to tether yourself to a culture and that kind of stuff is something that I grew up around. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I was very much the token Asian kid growing up in school. Um, I didn't know any other Asian people unless I was related to them. Yeah. Well, so coming from a small town like that, you, it was interesting because when I moved here, I, I moved to San Francisco. It was a little bit of an identity crisis because I spent, you know, 22 years being the only Asian girl or being one of, you know, a handful. Um, And then I moved here and then suddenly there's a whole shit ton of people that look like (laughs) me and I am no longer the only one. Yeah. Um, So I've always been the type of person to kind of embrace what makes you different. Mm -hmm. So growing up, you know, I was like being Asian and and Chinese and all and being involved was different enough. Yeah. You know, I stood out like a sore thumb. Um, yeah. And then, 
here, it's a little bit different. You kind of, and also too, being like biracial, you, some people can look at me and be like, you're biracial. And some people can look at me and be like, oh, you're, you're full, right? You know, you never, it's one of those things where you never quite fit in. Didn't know. (laughs) Didn't know. (laughs) know. Yeah. I don't have that fine tuned of a thing, you know. You know, well, it's interesting because to non-Chinese or Asian I'm I'm Chinese. I look Chinese. Yeah. To Chinese or Asian people, they're like, Are you half you're half, aren't you? <laughs> so your mom is Caucasian? My mom is uh, Caucasian, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, she's... It's a whole European mixture over there. It's mostly like Scottish, Irish, Welsh, some English thrown in there. A lot of, a lot of railroad building. A lot of railroad building. We're hard workers. Yeah, yeah. That's why you're hustling so <laughs> that's hard. Why I'm hustling so like, hard. Man, I'm not it's, swinging it's... a damn hammer and building no railroad. Yeah. I used uh, to be a mover though. For did like, did you really? I did. You I got a low a center of gravity. You're, you're not a. It's hard for like, tall, lanky people to be movers. You know, my brother-in-law is a subcontractor for United Van Lines, oh, and man. when I was going to college, I would work with him during the summer. That's hard. Oh work. my gosh. Oh my god. It. I will never do manual labor, ever. <laughs> like, That's some really hard work. Yeah, well, it and is. it was me yeah, and is. like a whole bunch of dudes. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll bet. and sure. just moving boxes and packing and mm-hmm. like breaking a sweat. And I was like, this. I'm going to school and I'm getting jobs because I what refuse are, yeah. to do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't blame you. There's, there's, I can see both sides of it. I, if I only did manual labor, I would. I would hate it. But if I, I've done other things that are not manual labor, and I hated those too, so I think I just kind of hate having to do any work. Doing things. That I don't want to do. I just I only want to do shit that I want to do, and uh, whether whatever it is. There's nothing build, wrong yeah. with it. I mean, I'm the but, same way. Yeah, yeah. But the manual labor thing, I, I say that, but then like my knee hurts, and my back hurts. I'm like, man, I don't want to do any manual labor. You're like, I'm falling apart over yeah. here. Like, so... Please support us on Patreon. <laughs> so that you don't us. have to do any manual labor. So you don't have labor. to do manual labor. <laughs> I just, I can't act. Uh, so this is my only, only the, way The out. struggle's real, this man. This is the only the way out. The struggle's real. Uh, <laughs> poor white guy. Poor white guy. I just know. Oh, my about goodness. Dang it. <laughs> Be kind to me. Or treating me mean. I'll make the most of it. I'm an extraordinary machine. I seem to you to seek a new disaster every day. You deem me due to clean my view and be at peace and lay. I mean to prove, I mean to move in my own way and say I've been getting along for long before you came into the play. Uh, so I was thinking about what you said, like story, the power of story. Um, that's kind of what we are I mean we are apes you know like uh, we're, we're just a, another type of primate mm-hmm. but the difference is that we have story we can communicate and and tell each other stories over time mm-hmm. that we will believe across huge distances and that really do if it was not for our ability to tell stories we wouldn't have any of this we wouldn't be in a van seeking experience to enrich our lives like we wouldn't be doing any of these things without the idea of a story that like like she and I believe you know that this is good for you to go travel like this and see things right. and do things that wasn't something that our ancestors ever did you know that's not something that like 
hunter-gatherer tribes weren't traveling for the sake of enriching their experience, you know? No. So it's the, it's the ability of story to connect people and connect ideas that um, I think is going to either doom or save our species, you know, that, and coming up with better stories uh, I think is pretty important, you know? I think, so to an extent, yes, I can agree with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I do believe in traveling to enrich your life. Sure. Totally. Oh, I believe it. Um, I also, I also believe that even just like the simple person that stays in a farm town their whole life has, sure. um, a story and things that they go through and things that they mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. Um, you just gotta go travel to go meet those people. Exactly. No, <laughs> you don't have to. They're right in your own backyard. They are in your own They're backyard, your neighbor. Right. Yes, they are. Um, but I think what we don't do and what drives me insane to this day, and as a young person, I feel like people are losing the art of conversation mm. and being able just to talk. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I have a niece who I know prefers like to text and, right. you know, yeah. talk so many via this and that. And I'm like, that's, that way. Yeah. but you don't, you miss so much. Mm. Um, I think what I was really blessed with in growing up is that I have a fantastic relationship with my parents. Um, and I, I do, we spend a lot of time talking Sometimes we talk about the same stuff over and over again, but we have this fantastic relationship of being able to talk. Did, did you guys yeah. eat dinner together every night? No. No. Which is funny because you would think that, but yeah. we don't. Uh, so the reason why I hustle all the time and why I'm constantly busy mm. is because that's the way I was raised. Everybody was busy. In Everybody house. was busy. Um, and bless my parents for that because I was definitely the troublemaker and if they were not going to keep me busy I was going to be busy doing something something. that was going to get me in trouble (laughs) so where did you guys get the time to talk what was the the binding agent that made that possible me moving out oh so this wasn't growing up growing up we didn't like because it wasn't it wasn't anything that I, I I went through that was like ridiculously hard except maybe in high school high school I really started talking to my mom more Mm -hmm. um and I think it was one of those things where I tried very hard not to for lack of a better word be selfish and to try and and understand where the other person was coming from you learned how to listen before. I learned how to listen I think is really what it was yeah um because and it didn't hit until like maybe the end of my sophomore year or something like that but it it took I remember it to a T because I used to have like FOMO really bad what teenager Mm. does not have FOMO right yeah sure um that's fear of missing out yeah uh, all our old listeners (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, this young no, person talk. All right, no, it's cool. Okay. <laughs> so I used to have FOMO really bad, and I would have to be everywhere doing everything all at once. Sure. And I would do that to the point where I would get sick. Oh. I would run myself down. I wouldn't be sleeping. I mean, I'm not a person that requires a lot of sleep to begin with. Mm. But, you know, when you're growing and you're doing things and all that kind of stuff at the same time, you know, I run myself down. It's yeah. not until now where, you know, I'm 29 that I'm finally getting in the hang of, mm-hmm. hey, your body's trying to tell you you're tired. Right. Um, but, yeah, when I was a sophomore and I 
I wanted to go to some party or somebody's house or whatever. And my mom was like, look, you've been gone all weekend. You've been gone all week. Why don't you just take the night to just sit here for a second and like chill out? (laughs) And I was like, but, and I was going to start arguing. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe she has a point. Mm. That's young to to get that sort of insight. Yeah, I think it was it was right. Yeah. I remember it clearly. You you remember those things. Sure. You know what I mean mm-hmm. when things click for you. Yeah, we were sitting at the kitchen counter and I was on my phone texting. Yeah, and <laughs> she was like, "Why don't you just say stay home and just chill for a second? And I was like, and then yeah. I remember asking myself, "Oh, I am am I tired? I'm kind of tired. Yeah, <laughs> all right." Okay, I guess I could do that. Like, yeah. just stay home. A whole another party, right? Opens it's up like the and whole, like, and I'm just like, oh, what? So, it was it was then that I really started having a good conversation with my mom. And my dad and I are so much of the same person that we butted heads constantly growing yeah. up. We're too much of the same person. Um, but when I moved out, everything was fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but he's got an interesting story. He oh my followed. gosh, he has a way interesting story. Yeah. I mean. Honestly, any immigrant story is interesting to me because it's just yeah. such a talk about a hustle. You know, You're he came to America not speaking a lick of English. He was eight, you said? He was like eight or nine or something like that. Wow. He didn't know how to read English, didn't know how yeah. to speak English. He learned all of that on his own. And wow. I mean, so just strange. having him talk to me about it because he is like my right hand in the museum the Bakai Temple Museum project that's cool because he's still local so it's like a a father-daughter project almost Mm -hmm. a little bit um where we just kind of talk about the history and this and that or whatnot and then he tells me because what I didn't say about the temple is that my great-grandparents pause let me start over so this makes sense (laughs) um my great-grandpa was a grandpa was the first one to come over um but it took 40 years for my entire family to come over right um so, so you've got it some was, there was older roots here there but was for, older roots here yes right. um and i believe he came in through like new york or something like that yeah. um so it took 40 years to get my entire family over here and so the temple there's different donation plaques and so i have my great-grandparents on one plaque they like um one of the originals um, for donations that they've made to that temple. And then on a different plaque, I have my grandparents' name um, along with my uncle's name. And then cool. I'll be doing the third donation plaque because wow. of the museum. So there's such so a like, family really cool. lineage there, even yeah. though we weren't even here that long. So... I mean, it's a family of hustlers. Is what that it's says to me. It's a family of hustlers. That's what, um, that's what your definitely. Is yeah. Right? 
<laughs> Can I rate that in Chinese? I don't even know if they have a word Is for a hustler, word for hustler in Chinese. Gotta be. Gotta be. That's that's so cool. <laughs> so, I'm just gonna show complete ignorance. Like, what kind of temple is it? Taoist, that, Buddhist. Taoist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So there's a lot of Taoism. Um. Taoist. That's mainly what's practiced there. I mean, there's a lot of different... What I've learned throughout this whole thing is, like, Taoism, Taoism, Buddhism, like, they're all practiced So in there's that Taoism era. and Taoism? Oh. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Huh. But I can't even tell you the difference between all of them because a yeah. lot of them start sounding the same when you really get the root sure. of things. To the nitty-gritty. Yeah, and I'm just like, so... I, I read uh, the Tao of Pooh. Yeah. The Tao of Pooh. Have you read that? No, Winnie that's Pooh. a thing. It's a thing. Not poop. Winnie the Pooh. Oh, Winnie I was like, poop. Yeah. I'm like, that's a. No, that is, that that would is be, interesting. That's some deep sacrilege. Even I'm for like, me. uh, <laughs> wow, think, there's a book on that? Well, there will be soon coming in 2019 by Andrew Couch. <laughs> right? The Tao of Pooh. I'll be writing that since keep, there's a, keep an eye a out, vacuum right? in the market. No, uh, but th- there was a really cool explanation in that book because it was, it was for. Westerners, I think, to like sort of Absolutely. understand Taoism. In the form of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, to, yes. and, it, and it sort of yes. analog, like, you know, Eeyore represented a, t- a personality archetype, and Piglet was, you know, they all represented different archetypes, and Pooh was sort of Lao Tzu. He was like this, you know, he kind of... He just was all being. Yeah, be. and, and they, they took, and the writer took this really cool view of Confucianism, Buddhism, and Taoism, and drew out like this kind of... Um, I think like Confucianism was, if the mat is not straight, the master will not sit, you know, and that sort of thing. He like did this really cool kind of breakdown of. I'm gonna have to read it now. Yeah, it, it's hip, but the it made me of all those the three, you know, sort of mm-hmm. Eastern philosophies that are the, I guess, predominant ones. It made Taoism sound really cool. My nickname as a child was Pooh Bear, so I immediately I was already biased. But, Pooh Bear. Uh, Can I ask why uh, Pooh Bear? It was probably for Pooh. Because he wore, wore, walked around with a, just a red shirt on, and that was it. No pants. No. <laughs> uh, I, just, I had a little Winnie the Pooh ball doll that I would always wind up. And I just, I was just like my favorite thing, and I probably was a little bitch about it, crying if I didn't have it with me or something. <laughs> and probably some poop. It was like it just all came together. It just, you know, yeah. but, all um, in one. But the, the philosophy of Taoism was really cool to me. And I, I mean, you can obviously tell me way more about it, but what I appreciate. I wish I could tell you way more about it. Uh, <laughs> I could probably tell you way more about the gold rush yeah. and like <laughs> some well, Chinese immigrants. The but. history behind it, but like that, the whole idea of it, um, letting things sort of arrive upon you instead. I mean, it, which is interesting because you're such a hustler and you're out getting it. But like, uh, you know, the spider. A spider mm-hmm. is, uh, I heard an analog, uh, like a spider works really hard to build its web, mm-hmm. but then it just hangs out in the web. Yeah. You know, it's, it, everything comes to the spider. And I, from what I can remember of what little <laughs> exposure of how to, to Taoism, it was that sort of philosophy that you, 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 as you walk the streets of this world, you walk the streets of heaven. Like you're already mm-hmm. there, you know, you're not trying to transcend and reach nirvana you're there all you have to do is appreciate that you've already made it you know yeah is that Hmm. i think to a certain extent yeah like i mean why not yes i'm a hustler (laughs) i mean yes i'm a hustler i've always worked extremely hard i've had a job since i was 12 years old but it seems like the joy for you is the work exactly so i have always for as long as i can remember even longer than i think 
I knew I wanted to be in like film and television and mm. somewhere working in the industry because I really loved it. Um, I've always wanted to have a job that I loved. Yeah. Um, I refuse to have a job that I absolutely hate. I've had a job that I've hated before. For how long? Um, like for like, minute? it literally lasted a hot minute. Yeah. Because I was like, nope, <laughs> yeah. not doing it. Not doing it. No. Even like as a mover, I did that for three years. It was yeah. like one of the hardest jobs I've ever had done, but I really liked the people I was around yeah. and, you know, it was fun and it was something was super flexible way. and, you know, that kind of stuff works. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I was a secretary once like once. answering phones yeah. that lasted 2.5 seconds yep. because it was like this blows mm -hmm. um but even though you're hustling and you're out there and you're working to get it i'll be the first one to admit that i actively have to have patience and practice patience yeah. and practice being able to be like all right universe what next it'll come to me when it's supposed to come to me um kind of a thing and that's only become you know, recently, because I'm yeah. really stubborn. Sure. And <laughs> it takes sure. a second for me to, like, surrender not having power or control, yeah. even though power and control is probably, like, the biggest fallacy there is. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, <laughs> um, it's a fake concept. It's a total fake concept. It's I mean, a, I can tell that myself that yeah. five million times. Do you but think it'll still, get through this no. head of mine? Right. No. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I actively try and tell myself to, like, yeah. relax, quit trying to force it, because every time I've tried to force it in the past, it never works. Spins out. Or you're not enjoying yourself. I'm not enjoying myself. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, what... What uses are to work and and, and yeah. live? You're not enjoying yourself. Not enjoying yourself. Yeah. Like I mean, surviving is not living. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll, in the intro, I'll explain how you and I know each other. But like our mutual friend and uh, boss, mm -hmm. Eric. Um, so uh, just real quick, give some context. You are helping him uh, produce the chronology of his life in, mm -hmm. in music, and Eric's. Eric's story is really cool. And you can see in his story a person who loved their work mm -hmm. the whole way through. Mm -hmm. um, and it was that clearly for him, it was more the act of working on a thing that was the joy. And then when a thing was made, it was like, okay, well, what's the next thing? You know, Eric was a. Mm. You know, it's project based. Well, a lot yeah. of the entertainment industry is project based to begin right. with. But with. With Eric, I've always enjoyed getting to know people and their stories. Mm -hmm. So getting to know him and his story, he's had such an interesting musical career, yes. an interesting life in itself. Mm -hmm. um, he's always loved what he's done, which is amazing, amazing. because yeah. not everybody can say that. Yeah. Um, and I feel very fortunate that I can say that, especially at how young I am. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of friends who are completely lost and they mm. don't really know what to do with themselves and they don't know what they want. But I think, I think society, culture, people that are in your life try very hard to tell you what you can and you cannot do. Um, and some people really take that as face value, where mm. I've, I've always been the type of person to be like, watch me. Yeah, you question that. <laughs> I, huh? I'm like, watch me. Yeah. I'll do it just to freaking defy you. Yeah, who are you to tell me that? Exactly. I read that in your blog. Yeah, that was one of your That's bits of advice. That's totally my thing. I was like... I, who are you to tell me that I can and cannot? Yeah. Right. I mean, even growing up as a kid, my mom to this day is like, you were not an easy child to raise, like, <laughs> at all. And I'm like, thanks. I don't know if that's a compliment <laughs> that's or not, but I'm going to take it as a compliment. Yeah. Uh, but where we've always had trouble um, growing up was 
my dad would be like, well, you can't do that because I say so. And I would be the person to be like, why? Why? Yeah, it's a great question. Why? Why? And then <laughs> he would, well, because I say so. Not good enough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't meant to be disrespectful at all. It was more of like, I need a better answer right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. than I, I say so. Yeah, give me a good argument. Give I need me a good, a good argument. Yeah. Give me a good reason. Because you I will sure take... as hell have to present one if you want something. Exactly. You've got to... yes. Exactly. Yeah. And so where my mom took a different route and she's like, you can't because of X, X y, y, and Z. Z. And then I'd be like, all right, she got the point. Yeah. And then. So that's to, I think to your point of the art of conversation is the art of listening. And mm. it sounds like you got that message pretty early. Like, hey, I'll listen, but you got to say it. Uh-huh. You know, that's a, that's pretty good advice. And in your, in your blog post that I read mm-hmm. today, um, so she slays. Shout out. Got to check it out. Link, <laughs> link will be up there in all the places. Link yeah, we will. But you, um, you're, the premise of what you were writing was like trying to get out of your own head to, mm-hmm. to, to sort of defeat um, your inner critic. Mm-hmm. And I liked what you said, um, to flip the tables on yourself. Mm-hmm. So if anyone else were to say to you what you say to yourself, like if you're like, oh, I can't do this. I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm good enough. I don't know. If you know Joe Blow came up and said, "There's no way you can do this. You're not good enough," you would question that immediately. Well, can it, tell me why? Why am I not? You know, I but think you don't question your own self. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. you're gonna listen to yourself. So to <clears throat> to flip the script on that, I think it sounds like you've been doing that for a long time. You know, honestly, um, yes and no. But mm-hmm. that whole conversation came out of uh, an acting struggle I was having um, for the longest time. I was having trouble connecting to things that were highly emotionally charged. Um, I think, you know, as you grow up and as you get older and that kind of stuff, you learn to block things out that are totally uncomfortable for you. Or, um, like, for the longest time, I've never saw my parents or anybody around me cry. And, like, I grew up in doing martial arts and, like, you would get hurt and all that kind of stuff and you'd be like, suck it up, suck it up, get your yeah, ass back out there, you know, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. And... I am an extremist to some point, and so I kind of just took that whole philosophy and covered my entire life. Um, but that type of information came out of acting because I had like blown an audition, like just blown it. And it was a pretty big opportunity for me, like fresh out of the gate. Um, and I'm like super hard on myself. I've sure. always been super hard on myself, and I am actively working on it. Um, <laughs> Don't be but too hard on yourself. Don't be so on hard it. on myself. Uh, but yeah, it came out of a conversation I was having with um, my therapist at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Like, I don't know if I'm right for this. I don't mm. know if I can do this. And then that's something that she says. She's like, well, what if I told you that you're not right for this? Like, what if I told you that you need to pick something else? Like, get the fuck out of here. Of course. And she's like, what, what, what would you say to me? I'd be like. Well, I've only been doing it for such and such time. And I, I mean, yeah. I just got this and I just got that. And, you know, you'd start rationalizing and justifying all that stuff. And yeah. then she's like, hello, why aren't you listening to yourself? Like, yeah. It's and so advice. I was like, ah. So ever since then, when you have those down moments or you're questioning yourself, you're wondering if you're not good enough or if this was the right move or, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. It's, I think it's in my bag of tricks of, flipping the tables and turning the tables on yourself just just to keep yourself in check because i mean we yeah 
a lot of people are so hard on themselves, like including myself. And you're so mean. Yeah, you're so mean to yourself. I'm like, you wouldn't stand for that if anybody else did that to you. So why are are you doing it to yourself? It it seems to me like um, you're saying that you you have a lot of young friends who are lost. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, I mean, just in that story, it's one instance in your life where you teetered on the edge of Mm -hmm. lost or found. And what saved you was a listener. You know, I mean, it's it's awesome to have a therapist. Not everyone no. even feels comfortable, much less would even consider it. But mm-hmm. which they th- should. Sh- Therapy yes. should not be a stereotype. No, you no. learn so much shit. Let yes. me tell you. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. I, I I got turned off to it really young. Just long story, but I, I do believe in the value of it. And but I also um, I do massage therapy, which is. Uh, like someone saying, oh, yeah, my mom was uh, a nurse, so I know all about medicine. Totally. It's not really anything close. <laughs> but uh, the, the just being a listener, or so, so if you feel lost, find a listener. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the time, be one because there's plenty of other lost people around you. You know, that, the, that idea that, like, someone is lost. Mm-hmm. You're not all that lost. You just need someone to tell if you can explain where you are exactly. to them, they're like, oh, that's where you are. So just someone who's listening intently can help you find what's missing. You mm-hmm. know? No, exactly. So, I, I so totally, you need to be a listener as much as like, you know, you open yeah. your mouth. In fact, it's honestly better just to sit there and listen mm-hmm. than to open your mouth half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because you'll learn way more. Yeah. Uh, about everything and how everything, how everybody, everything works around you. It, it's. Yeah. I'm not self conscious right now at all by having a talking <laughs> podcast and <I'm> de- <laughs> about shutting our mouths and listening. <laughs> you learn a lot from other people no, just having definitely. conversations and the art of conversation. Yes. And that's honestly one of the reasons that I'm a little scared for this other generation who don't know how to communicate. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought that. And then you see this Parkland thing and these kids, these super bright kids coming out of That's Florida, no less. Point. Coming That's out of Florida. It's like if there are people that bright in this generation popping out of that turd hole, there that just tells you like <laughs> there are some smart kids around the country. No disrespect, Florida. You get shit on a lot. I'm sorry. But you know And you just look, did again. Yeah, you just did again, but you kinda earned it. But those I mean those kids Poor are Florida. are so with it you yeah. know and they're yeah. driven they're great communicators they're great and, communicators and yeah. they're using they're leveraging the new technology and the new modes of communication which are honestly a little shitty i think like some of the yeah. like, texting is just texting i mean it, to each their own i'm sure a firm believer i'm i don't know i'll pick but they're up good the at phone. it there yeah. was one of the my point is they're i mean they're not only are they able to articulate on television which is i mean intense but mm-hmm. they can they can get their point across in a 30-character... Multiple platforms. Multiple yeah. platforms. They know yes. how to work the multiple platforms. And staying platforms. on message, which is the... Which is really hard to do hard. in today's it's you know, culture. Anytime. I mean, it's everything so changes so yeah. fast. And the fact that they're still being talked about... To be Holy crap. 17 and given a national stage upon a which national, to say anything... Oh, my goodness. And just only talk about that thing... If at 17 you'd given me a platform to say anything that I could say, I I would have probably started out with whatever concerned me, and then it'd be like, and another thing, man, 
school. Why is it got to start at seven thirty? That's way too early. I think we should, you know, it would have it would have just like immediately down the drain. So I, I got some faith in the younger generations. No, you make a good point. You do and make even a faith good in point. Florida. And even I mean, faith in Florida. Yeah, they, Shout out to Florida. FLA. Hashtag Florida. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not so crappy after yeah. all. You get a suntan and a black eye and all in one. So, uh, so she slays. Yes. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. Can you just tell everybody what that is? So she slays is a women's empowerment blog. Uh, it is a brainchild between my friend, one of my best friends, uh, Chauncey, and I, and it kind of just arise or well, it came out of the fact that there's a lot of blogs out there, but there's not a whole lot of blogs that have the representation that we bring as far as being incredibly diverse. I mean, you're not going to see a black woman and a, and a Chinese woman or a biracial woman leading a blog of any sense. Um, and normally it's like one or the other, or it's not normally a partnership or anything like that. Yeah. Um, for me with blogs and with our blog, I tried to make it add something to the world versus like the next lipstick you should buy to make your right. eyes pop or something yeah. like and it's not, and it doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem to me it didn't strike me as just a critique either you're not saying okay buy this shirt and, and do this and you're not saying well here's what's wrong with so and so and so and so it's like here's how it like you said it's empowerment here's my experience yeah here's yeah. my experience do with it what you will like yeah. if it helps you cool if it gives you an idea awesome and if it does in. absolutely nothing for you well right we tried. <laughs> are you, are you se- actively seeking uh, content from people, or do you have like? Yeah, we have contributors that... from all over, uh, as far as like India or Switzerland, Australia. Wow, that's cool. Um, and they're all women of all ages, that's great. Um, all different experiences. You know, experienced bloggers, inexperienced bloggers. Uh, how do you find the people? Like, they how does actually that work? ended up finding us. Uh, so we reached out, like we've done one or two like mass posts, like social media where it's like, oh, we're looking for writers if you're interested, like that kind of stuff. Um, but a lot of times they'll find us. Um, a lot of people, especially women in their twenties, maybe thirties, even younger, really love the name and really love what it stands for. It's a hip name. It's It's a hip name. name. So she slays. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's the cool tagline in there? It's like. So she's something like slay all day or something oh, like that. Oh, because you slay all day. So it's a Beyonce quote for oh, okay. the older people that Sorry. are listening right now. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> I thought you liked Beyonce. Well, yeah, Beyonce, uh, Beyonce, it's from her formation uh, oh, okay. song. Uh, I'm sorry. Because you slay all day. Missed you it. Know? <laughs> Missed it. I feel like I've heard it. <laughs> it's okay. It's totally okay. I'm a, I love Beyonce. Girls love Beyonce. You sure. know, hey, what she can you is say? beautiful. She is and beautiful powerful. and powerful. Like a virgin? That was Madonna. Sorry. Yeah, total wrong reference. <laughs> uh, 
dropping the ball on no, this one. No comparison. No comparison at all. Nope. Uh, <laughs> no, but Social Slays, it's, it's a great outlet for a lot of people who are... Are, you know, you can be looking for the greatest lipstick to bring out your eyes, or you could be looking for something a little bit deeper. Sure. Um, you it's know, all there. It's all there. Yeah. Uh, there's collaborations where we feature women who either own their own business or have their own blog or, you know, run their own YouTube channel or yeah. have a store or, you know, and it's all women. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've heard people talk about it and I've read in like a variety of different places that the key to sort of ending, you know, poverty and a lot of conditions in, in places that are not um, as advantaged as the United States mm-hmm. uh, is the empowerment and sort of liberation of the female population mm-hmm. in those areas, mm-hmm. you know, uh, making where you're not just like a baby maker, you know, you're not just going to oh, be in the gosh. house, like starting businesses and getting educated and being as much a part of everything as the men. Um, mm-hmm. That is, I think, if our society has any hope, that's the story that we need to tell. No, is that, I agree. Uh, that's, you know, one of the cool things about the whole Me Too thing. It's like, hey, f- enough. Mm-hmm. Enough. Mm-hmm. Like we're, you know, we're here to just, we're as much a we're part humans, of this. We're humans, yeah. okay? We're not yeah. like a piece of meat. Yeah. <laughs> you, do, you are not entitled to touch me or grab me just because I walk by you. You're not yeah. entitled to for lack of better words, cat call, yeah. just because I so happen to be walking by and you just right. feel like yelling something at me. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with the whole Me Too movement. Um, I completely agree with encouraging women to step up and to take a stand. Right. And that's another thing too, like, especially I'm, I reference the Asian culture because obviously that's what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of Asian women play the passive card sometimes. And I think that that's, or they play the cute, sweet, innocent card. or They want to be taken care of and that kind of stuff. Or, you know, a lot of the times like the culture kind of implies that or almost dictates, it. almost dictates yeah. it in a way because it's, it's very patriarchal. And, um, for me, I thankfully, cause I would not have it any other way. Uh, have an incredibly strong mother mm-hmm. uh, who both her and my dad just made the decision at a very young age uh, for me that they would make sure that I would never have to rely on anybody uh, for anything um, cool. like financially or anything like that too yeah. uh, so they raised me to be as self-sufficient as possible uh, whether, you know, you're working your butt off or, yeah. <laughs> you know, you happen to work your butt off and then make a million dollars later, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think, especially with So She Slays, it's, it's something that's very personal to me as far as giving women in general the chance and the idea and the thoughts to be like, I can do whatever the hell that I want to do. Yeah, I, I just think about, like, the lottery of life you know that you were just you just so happened to pop out of somebody where you did mm-hmm. and you know like there was someone born on the same day as me same year but they just squirted out in Uttar Pradesh India and they happened to be <laughs> a female 
mm-hmm. and that um, coeval person in this world, you know, my sister, my the person born, mm-hmm. you know, on this planet, same time as me, I could have been that if I and if I had popped out in Uttar Pradesh in that day in India, that would have been you. <laughs> the amount of opportunity that I've had, and the lack of opportunity that that person has had, is uh, it's a it's a failure of our ability to tell good stories to one another around the globe you know there's some dominant stories that have caused oppression and caused sort of exploitation in various parts of the world mm-hmm. and it's it's a it's a tragedy that's uh it's really old it's an old i don't know how what to call it but it's a it's a failing of our species to take care of one another that just popping out of uh <laughs> A yeah. mother in some in one location sort of dooms you to a life mm-hmm. of like servitude and mm-hmm. hardly any opportunity. Like for you to say, "So she slays," and mm-hmm. that you can do anything you want. Like that message to um, someone in a third world country, whose father could just as easily sell them mm-hmm. as ever hug them or tell them that they're worth anything. Yeah. How to get that message of like you can do anything? To that person I, I don't even know how you do it but I love the idea that you're trying yeah well you know, that, like, I think a lot of it too is well one is like you have to you have to believe it um that you can really do anything because I mean but if it's but it's like if you grow up in an atmosphere of that um I know for me personally I'm the type of person that through the power of story um someone reaching out and saying, you know, this was my experience. I had, you know, I went through the worst, you know, the worst conditions, the worst circumstances. And I was able to find a way. And I think it's really important too, that everybody tries to take a moment and look to see where they're at and know that this is not where they're going to be forever. Hmm. Um, nothing is, nothing's forever. Sure. Every That's single, you, you could just die. No, exactly. You could just die. <laughs> you could, you could just, just up die. and die, but nothing Sorry. is forever. I mean, whatever you're going through at this point in time, even like in third world countries and that kind of stuff, I believe hope is a big, big factor in a lot of things. Sure. I mean, you can see that even in the United States, like yeah. people that have hope, people have lack of hope and all that kind of stuff yeah. and the repercussions that come with that belief. Uh, but even on your worst day, knowing that it's going to end. Hmm. That's a interesting place to possibly end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It could all just end. It could all just end. Well, so, I mean, you know, everybody <clears throat> thinks of it as like dying or anything like that. But it's like, for me, it's at my worst day, you know, when I'm going through it, when I'm having the worst time, if, you know, there was a point in my life where, you know, I was struggling to get work and I was, you know, not having a lot of money and I was really just scraping by, um, knowing that where you are now is not where you will be forever is one thing that can totally help. That's pretty hopeful. That is hopeful. And I, I just, it's tough 
I, I tend to look at uh, like the saddest, worst things, and not in my own life. I, I'm swimming in a sea mm-hmm. of privilege and opportunity. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have as a, a very, white dude for sure. As a white, white dude, dude in America, in America, <laughs> who's You're gonna quit? Be okay. <laughs> I've quit. I'm giving up work to go do. To take go my beautiful wife and our goofy dog and travel the world like we're for two years. The struggle's yeah, real. I, the, yeah, so I have zero <laughs> the complaints. Choice. To and I, I'm be able to do that. In the leisure time, I'm able to think about anything I feel like mm-hmm. thinking about, and I can't help but think about like if you were to tell someone in um, in Damascus right now, yeah, uh, hey, look, you just got to believe that anything's possible and have hope. It's like it's what I'm would sure they say? Super... I mean, like you know how how i don't know how you say go I fuck think, yourself in arabic but i feel like they would tell you that you know what i mean like i, I just but even like even not. if you look at you know the middle east and syria and every all the bombings and that kind of stuff the young children the the fathers and the yeah. mothers who have lost yeah, way right. more than right. anybody right. should ever right. lose even they have some hope that this will end. Sure. Like even they have some hope that hope, some yeah. agreement will be reached that even if I, I hope that I make it through this day. I mean, I had an acting friend who told us one time that he was leaving his house with his parents and his sister and their, and her kids. And they were leaving to go to like a Christmas church gathering or something and he was in Egypt or somewhere in the Middle East like that and he was saying that before they left the house they went up to each other and said goodbye Mm. because they did not know if all of them were going to make it back can you imagine that saying bye just so that you can go to a church service on Christmas Eve because there's no guarantee any one of you will make it back and that we take for granted we have, I mean, the the great privilege of being able to take for granted that that is how it's going to be here, that we don't have to worry about that, you know. But, I mean, we're sitting parked on a street right now at which buses are flying down. Somebody could plow into us and it could be over like that. You just never really know. Mm-hmm. You're never as safe as you might think you are. But when you live in those sorts of environments where it is that dangerous and you're exposed to that sort of, it's when those people find hope that's mm-hmm. to me the most powerful and mm-hmm. i don't know i we're i don't know what we're going to see on our trip and what we're going to be able to to bring to others but the but hopeful the hopeful hope story is what you can bring yeah that, you know? I, I'm, i've definitely got an interest in it um and not white privilege not and just not white, white privilege, privilege. but, but you know? hope <laughs> and then maybe a chance to shed some light on stories and people yeah from yeah. everywhere so that you I mean so that everybody knows the power of story and of story. how connected we really yeah. are yeah. just to share some culture yeah you know there's so much of it out there mm-hmm. you know we stay in our little bubble and mm-hmm. do our own thing and you just you know sometimes you get glimpses of with people you meet maybe within your work but it's such a huge world out there and there's so many people yeah that you just don't really have any idea about you know mm-hmm. Like the Mayans, they're still around. Yeah. Or yeah. you're so quick to judge that you don't right. take the opportunity, the you time, or the it. chance to ask. I had the opportunity today to eat something I've never eaten, and I didn't. What'd I you do? I should have. What was the, it? I should have gotten the jellyfish. Jellyfish is really good. I know. Well, I don't know. I should have tried it. It was on the menu, but I got one. Really good. It's okay. Sometimes I'm uh, all about achieving like 
you know, whatever opportunities, taking it and all that kind of stuff. Next but time. last night I had a had a friend order some grasshoppers. Oh, are they good? I did not. I couldn't. Not, I couldn't. Oh, they were it. grasshoppers. They did, I don't do bugs oh, very it, well. Did it look like a grasshopper? It looked like a grasshopper. It That's, looked like a grasshopper. Yeah, just marinated food. and cooked. Fried. Yeah. And like great. he popped it in his mouth and I was like, oh. Has he like, had them before? No. He was so like, I want to try it. You got to go like back it? and listen to the first podcast. Our guest, Charis, does a rap about eating bugs. Ew. It's hilarious. Well, I told you guys we're going to go to Thailand and Bali at the end of yeah, this year. Yeah. You'll, you'll and they're some, all excited sure. to eat some bugs. And I'm like, no. That's so funny. Most I can't. Like, I can't. You look like... I don't do bugs. You yeah. look, it looks like a bug. I'm, <laughs> I'm out. I'm yeah. out. I'm out. I don't think I'll ever say I'm excited to eat a bug. Like, I'm just... That it would just, never come up in my uh, idea of like, oh, I'm going to go visit this place and yay, I get to eat some bugs. Like, <laughs> no. No, I don't think I would ever say that no. in my life. But isn't there like a certain amount of bug and, and rodent feces that are allowable in bulk food? Yeah. What? Check the FDA. Like Thanks. They're, they're, I don't know <laughs> if this is an urban I'm myth. Like, <laughs> no, no. I'm all reading ingredients. There is no rat poo written right. listed no, no, on this. I think I, I want to say like... This could be an urban myth, but I feel like I've heard that there's a certain, like, allowable limit of... Maybe if you're like, in Chinatown. Well, like that's a little racist coming from anybody hey, but you. I'm like, but, but I can say that, especially. Oh, um, no, but, like, I think... I, I don't think I could ever... Just purposely I eat just, one. I don't... Yeah, I get it. I mean, don't they say that you swallow, like, six spiders in your whole entire life? I like it's because I totally like, ate a stink bug as a child. Which oh, of all bugs to oh, eat oh, has got like, to be the worst. You're making that little, you know, your glands yeah, when you eat something yeah, sour. Yeah, and like, yeah, it's totally the effect I'm getting right now. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, like, oh, somebody oh. out there listening is gonna vomit as soon as they They're hear just this. They're like, or or somebody's gonna be like, stink bugs. I did that too. Say, They're like, actually really too. good if you right. marinate it in garlic and yeah. like fry it up. And I'm like, please oh, send in your recipes, for right? <laughs> sauteed, braised, and or stink yeah, bugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Heather, thank you so much. Thank you, super, Heather. Super, super cool. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, yes. This is something i got to get better at. How can people find you? Oh, that is really important. Mm-hmm. You definitely need to get better at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me five million different ways, probably. But you can find me um, at sochislays.com. Okay. You can find me at heathermyoung.com. Okay. Or if you're into the social aspect of all the things, like social platforms, at the H Young. On Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that loveliness. At the H Young. Young. At the H Young. Cool. Super easy. Awesome. I make life easier. I'm not trying to make things complicated. I like it. I don't have time for it. <laughs> Thanks, Heather. You're welcome. Well, you done done it. Thanks a bunch, listener, for uh, sticking with us and listening to what Heather had to say. I want to tell you that our next podcast is coming from the road. We will be on the road when that thing publishes. So, uh, yeah, 
journey is about to begin for real. Uh, if you are not yet supporting us on Patreon and you got some extra dough, head on over there, patreon.com. We're at the Monkey Tooth Podcast. As little as a buck a month, you can uh, you can really help us out. And you'll get extra shit that no one else is getting. There's uh, We're going to kind of retool the Patreon so that if you are a supporter, you're going to get to hear things that no one else can hear and see things no one else can see and follow us a little bit more intimately than the rest of the population. And it, listen, if you're my friend or a stranger and you care at all about what happens to us, give us a review on iTunes. Come on, get on over there. All you got to do is go to iTunes, your iTunes store, look us up at Monkey Tooth Podcast, and just say anything that is highly complimentary and you know contains at least a minimum of four stars. Say nice stuff, please. We need it. It helps people find this podcast, which is... Uh, kind of the goal sharing those stories all right everybody mtp.dog give us a look thanks for listening bye